This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. Ever feel fear, pain, shame, guilt, sadness, failure? Me too. Today, as we open up the scriptures together, I get to share with you one of my favorite passages of scripture in the entire Bible that speaks to these human emotions that we all endure and go through. This summer, the pastors on staff here have been sharing with you some of their favorite passages of scripture, scripture that they go back to over and over again to hold on to the truths of God's word and that have helped shape and transform their lives. Passages like Luke 15 and Psalm 51, Colossians 1, Colossians 3. It has been so rich for me to hear these incredible men share their hearts and their learnings over the years of how God has formed and shaped them through God's word. And I get to share with you a passage that transformed my life. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Gary Osborne, and I've been on staff here at Calvary since 1998, serving mostly with students, but now I spend most of my time at the Erie campus, and I was also able to help launch our Thornton campus um, this last year. My heart is really to make disciples who make disciples. Actually, it's to be a disciple, then who makes disciples, who makes disciples, who makes disciples. That's what I wake up every day thinking about is how do we help people grow in their relationship with the Lord a little bit more and more? And then how do they go and teach others how to follow Jesus? My journey started a little bit like this. I grew up in a house that loved and followed Jesus and my parents were phenomenal at teaching me the things of God. They encouraged me to follow the Lord and look at his word and, and, and obey him in all that I do. The problem was, that's not really where my heart and my life was all about. In high school, I decided to live my ways and follow the things that made me feel good. And I began to build my foundation on things like success and accomplishments and friends and money and just everything that I thought was important. Well, what happened is I graduated from high school and then I moved on to college at the University of Colorado. And all those things that I had built my life on began to fall apart. It truly was um, what scripture talks about is I built my foundation on the sandy shore. And when the hard times of life, when the trials, when the waves of tribulation hit my life, everything that I thought was valuable began to sink away. Instead of building my foundation upon the rock, I built it on the things of this world and it crumbled when the going got hard. I remember being at CU in this floor, <laughs> in the bathroom, on the shower floor. I sat down on a dorm room floor, you know, a, a, a floor that was used by everyone in the hall. I just was broken at this point, knowing that I needed something in my life because the way I was living wasn't working. I just remember weeping on that floor as the water ran over me saying, Lord, I don't know what it means to follow you, but I want to begin to explore what that looks like. And so for the next two years, I didn't really have any idea what that was all about, but I took little steps to try to understand what it meant to follow Jesus. Unfortunately, most of what I was doing was just, just trying to be good and do the right thing and not live according to the world's way. But I didn't really understand what it meant for Jesus to be Lord and Savior over my life. After those two years, um, 
someone really encouraged me to read God's word. And they encouraged me to read the book of Romans. And they gave me a book called In the Grip of Grace by Max Lucado. And those two things really set um, my course for what it meant to be saved by grace. I really had no understanding what grace was all about in my life because I thought what I did mattered and I didn't fully understand what the transforming work of the cross was really like in my life. So I read these books and I read the book of Romans and those two things together showed me what it means to be saved by grace. Nothing that I could do, but everything that God did for me. So the book of Romans is an incredible book. And Paul kind of starts it off saying that, um, that he was not ashamed of the gospel because he knows it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. So he was passionate about the truth about Jesus and the gospel being the simple message that Jesus came, lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and three days rose again so that you and I could spend eternity with him. And whoever confesses with his mouth and believes in his heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And that is critical for my life and my understanding. You know, this is what the book of Romans was about. It's about not being ashamed of the gospel and about living for Christ in the midst of that. Now, the book goes on to talk about that hey, as humanity, we rejected God. We dishonored him in as many different ways as we could think about. Is that our hearts were full of envy and murder and strife. And we were haters of God. We're haughty. We're boastful. We are even inventors of evil. I love kind of that picture because in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I have done a lot of really horrible things in my life. And we invent evil things to do. It goes on to say that they were foolish and faithless and heartless and ruthless. We judge one another and we try to work our way back to salvation. And this is kind of the first few chapters of the book of Romans, but it gets to this core point that no matter what we do and no matter how we try to live is that we all are sinners and we fall short of God's glory. And so these are the things that I'm wrestling with is, okay, the gospel is the power that saves me. I'm a sinner. And I understand that the wages of sin were death and eternal separation from God. But it also says in Romans 5, 8, that Jesus died for me while I was still a sinner. And this was important for me to understand because it's what began to put me on this journey of understanding that even though I was living in sin and I still was sinning in my life, that Christ died for me, not because of what I did, but because of the relationship he wanted to have with me. And so this becomes basically the first seven chapters of the book of Romans. And we get to this pivotal chapter, and this is where I discovered these five promises that really helped shape my life. And so as I get to share my favorite passage of scripture to you today, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, would you turn to Romans chapter 8? And we're going to start in verse 1. Verse 1 starts out like this. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. 
There is now no condemnation. Hey, all those things that we talked about, hey, that you're a sinner, that you judge other people, you try to work to God, that all of sin, the wages of sin are death. And even in Romans uh, 7, there's this battle that's being talked about, the war that wages within us. Even though I know the good that I ought to do, I still don't do it. I don't understand why I don't do it. I want to do the right thing, but I'm having a difficult time. And Jesus, says, Paul writes here, and he gives this promise for you and for me that, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You may feel trapped. You may feel like a slave. You might feel like you're living in bondage. But the promise that I want you to hear today is that you are free from guilt and shame. Guilt and shame no longer for the believer, for the one who is trusted in Christ, has power over your life. Because Jesus says, I have paid it all. I have done the work on the cross. No matter what you try to do, it doesn't matter because I have already done it. And through my death and my resurrection, you've been set free. There is now no more penalty for the way that you live and the actions that you've taken. And for me, that was such an incredible promise because I lived in this idea that I was never good enough for God that the things that I did were horrible, the way that I treated people, the way that I talked about people, the things that I had done was too much for God to forgive. But I get to Romans 8 and I see the depravity of humanity in the first seven chapters. And we get here to chapter 8 and there's this incredible promise that says there's no condemnation, which means you've been justified. There's no judgment for you. There's no punishment for you. There's no penalty for you because you have been set free. The enemy has no more power over you. The lies that you are believing that you aren't good enough, it is not true because it has all been wiped out. You know, and Jesus on the cross yells out, telestat, meaning that it is finished. It has been completed. The work on the cross is what saves you and me from sin and death. And we are now alive in Christ and we have this experience of freedom. You know, in the movie Braveheart, we see that like picture in our mind that Mel Gibson is, he's, playing William Wallace, that he he's yelling freedom because he just wants it so much. Or did you ever have an older sibling that would hold you down and like hold you tight and you couldn't get out of it? And once you finally got out of that, that bondage or that hold that they had on you, you just felt free. Friends, that's what it's like to be a follower of Christ is we are free. And so the first promise I want you to remember is that you are free from guilt and shame. There's no more condemnation. There's no more judgment. There's no more punishment for you. It's an incredible promise for you and for me that hopefully allows us to live in this new place of freedom because what Christ has done for us in our life. We're free from guilt and shame. The Spirit has set us free from the law of sin and death. The second promise that I get out of um, Romans 8 uh, is this, that I am a child of God and a co-heir of Christ. So promise number one is I am free from guilt and shame. Promise number two is I am a child of God and a co-heir with Christ. If being set free from sin, from judgment, from guilt and shame uh, wasn't enough, we are also called his children. 
You're no longer a slave. You are a son. You are a daughter to the creator of the universe. This should bring you great confidence because the one who created everything, you are an heir to. All that is his, you are an heir to. You are in the family. The one who holds all things together, you are now considered to be part of his family. You've gained the privileges and the responsibilities of being in God's family. Now, many of us feel lost and unwanted. Some of our families are a disaster. And so hearing that um, we're co-heirs with God or we're, we're children of God isn't isn't necessarily feel good. But what I really want you to hear is he is the good, good father who loves you so much and you are now considered his child. Look here with me in Romans 8, 15 through 17. It says this, for we did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. You are adopted into the family of God by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, co-heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. I don't know if you caught it there, but we are his children, and he, he gives us this special little word here. We can cry out, Abba, Father. This is referring to that intimate relationship that you have with, with a father. It's the, the first utterances of a child where you might say, Dada. That's what this Hebrew word kind of means here. It's like that, that breath of air going out and saying, Abba, Father. And, and we would say, Dada or Daddy. And I love hearing when some people pray and they, they will say, Daddy, or they will say, Abba, because they understand that intimate relationship children have with their father. That's what we get as followers of Christ, is we get that intimate relationship to the father. We have access to him in that close, intimate relationship. We get to be in the inner circle, and we get to cry out, Abba, Father, our identify. We identify with him and we inherit everything that is due to Christ. Being a child of God means that we have access to the Father. We have fearless intimacy with God. We have assurance that we belong to God. And we have value as we are his children and co-heirs with Christ. So these are the first two promises. And friends, I, I'm not doing a full dive into this whole chapter. There are so many more. I wish we had more time to continue to go in and, and look at all the promises. I'm going to give us five and so you can count them on your hand. One is that I am free. I am free from sin and or from shame and guilt. Number two is I am a child of God and co-heirs with Christ. And the third promise that I see here in, in Romans 8 is I am prayed for by the Holy Spirit. Well, why is that important? Why does that matter? What's the big deal about having the Spirit praying for you? Well, for me, it means that in my weakness, that someone is there for me. When things aren't going well, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when there's so much on my plate that I don't even know how to pray, or I don't even feel like there's time to pray, that I know the Spirit is interceding on my behalf. See, remember, the world is not the way God originally intended it to be. 
Because of the fall, things are in chaos and they're decaying and they're falling apart. And so things aren't going according to God's original plan. So when sin entered the world, everything went awry. So we have pain, suffering, brokenness in relationships, and there are times when we're weak and we're fearful. But in those times, know that the Spirit is praying for us. Look at what it says here, starting in 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to fertility, not willing, but because of him who subjected in it hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves we have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons for the redemption of bodies. And what it's saying in there is like, this is not how it was supposed to be, friends. Like we weren't supposed to die. We weren't supposed to be separated. Decay was not part of God's original plan. And the creation knows it and is waiting for the redemption. And we know it as we re- re- wait for the redemption. Can you hear the anguish in these verses? I know that I can't wait for things to be right again. I can't wait to be in the presence of God, waiting for everything to be made right again. This is what we hope for. This is what we long for, that we would have enough um, endurance to make it that point. And that's why I love to know that the Spirit is interceding on my behalf in the hard times, when the pain is so much that I cannot, I don't feel like getting up or I'm really hurting in my heart is that the spirit is working. Here's what it says. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness because we are weak friends at times. We're fragile for we do not know what to pray for, for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I love that picture that even the spirit is just groaning and grunting on our behalf because the pain is too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts know that in the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The spirit is praying for us when we are unable to pray for ourselves or when we don't know how to pray, when we don't feel like praying, when we feel like our prayers are just hitting the ceiling and God isn't hearing hearing us, the Spirit is praying on our behalf with groanings too deep for word, for words. I love that the Spirit is praying for me. It's not like sometimes when you have a friend and you share these hard things going on, they're like, I pray for you. They leave that meeting and they never pray for you. Not unintentionally, but the Spirit is always praying for you. And beyond that, we read later in Romans 8 that Jesus, who's at the right hand of the Father, is also interceding on our behalf. So friends, what a great promise that we should know is that the Spirit of God is praying for us, that he's interceding on my behalf. So promise number one, I am free from guilt and shame. Promise number two, I'm a child of God. Promise number three in Romans 8 is, I am being prayed for by the Holy Spirit. And promise number four is this, I am valuable. 
I have value. I am not worthless. This one is a real struggle at times for me, friends, that I don't feel like I have much value to people. This is one of the lies that I believe in my own heart and why I feel like I always have to be doing something or accomplishing something or making something better is because I don't feel like I have any worth. It's a lie that that hinders me in my relationship with God. And so when I read this text like Romans 8, it just brings me such hope because I know it's not what I do, but it's what Christ has already done. Many years ago when Calvary graciously gave me my first sabbatical, I remember the first three weeks being really, really hard for me. Most people think, man, sabbatical, how great. You get a break, you get some time to kind of reflect. And in that time, I felt like I wasn't doing anything. And so I wasn't accomplishing anything. I didn't feel like I was advancing the kingdom. And I felt like I had no value. And I was really depressed and sad. And what I realized was I was building my worth on not what Christ has done for me, but what I felt like I was doing for Christ. And that's not the truth that we need to believe, friends. Because it's easy for us to hold on to these lies, that we go into these dark places and we don't feel like we have any value, that we underachieve, that we fail, we let someone down. These are painful things for some of us that we, we, we don't want to be humiliated. We don't want to discourage anyone or hurt anyone. And these are the times that, that maybe it even feels like things aren't going right, that nothing goes right and things just kind of build upon itself. And you feel like, man, what is happening here? And so this is the promise that I see in Romans 8, 31 through 34. It says this, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Listen to that. If God is for you, who can be against you? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give you all things? Who should bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who does it condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. That's the promise. If God is for us, who can be against us? So we have value because of what Christ has done in our life. I hope you know that. I hope you know you have value, not because of what you do, not because of the things that you accomplish, but because what Christ has done for you. Not what anyone says about you, not the discouragement you think, not that you think maybe the world's up against you, because if God is for you, despite everything and all the circumstances happening in your life, who can be against you? Does it matter who's against you? Because God, the creator, the redeemer is for you. Friends, I hope you hide that in your heart and that you know that you have value and worth and because God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. Promise number one, you're free. Promise number two, your child of God. Promise number three, the spirit is praying for you. Promise number four, you are valuable. And promise number five is that you are loved. You are loved by God. You are loved by God. You are accepted. You don't need to be lonely. You don't need to be afraid because you are loved by God. Do you believe that? 
Do you believe you're worthy of God's love? Do you believe God loves you and knows you by name? Because he does. The creator of the universe knows you and loves you and accepts you just the way you are. He wants you to conform to the likeness of Christ, yes, but he loved you as his child. Look at what it says in the scriptures. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you. Nothing can change that. Don't leave today thinking that there's something that is big, that is separating you from God's love. Nothing can separate you. Nothing. Not trial, not tribulation, not persecution, not hunger, not nakedness, not danger, not even death. Nothing in this world, nothing in the things to come, nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God. This is the hope that we have as a believer. Can sickness? Nope. Can disease? Nope. Can the government? Nope. Can the enemy? Nope. Can anything separate you from the love of God? Nothing can, friends. Hold on to that truth. God has promised that you will always be loved. Believe it. Hold it in your heart. Hold on to that truth because there are going to be times when you don't feel loved. You're going to feel rejected. The ones who are closest to you, they're going to betray you. They're going to disappoint you. They're going to reject you. Human love is temporal. It, it flows and it ebbs, but the love of God will never waver. It is unconditional, never ceasing, and unstoppable. And nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Here are five promises in Romans 8. There are many more when you dive into it. I strongly encourage you to take time and get into this passage and make sure it's still there every week, because it's one of those ones I come back to all the time, because I need to be encouraged in my faith. The first one is that you're free from guilt and shame. You're a child of God and a co-heir with Christ, meaning you are entitled to everything that Christ gets. You are prayed for by the Holy Spirit. He's interceding on your behalf. You are valuable and you have worth to God and you are loved. Hold on to these five truths out of Romans 8. Hold on to these promises. Let them guide your life, encourage you, and give you confidence in Christ. Let us pray as we uh, close out this morning. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is powerful in our lives and that it is active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And so I pray that nothing that I said was impactful, but it was what your spirit is doing in the lives of your followers. I pray that these promises and the many more that are in this passage would come to life to your people. And Father, because of them, we would live in freedom. We would live in confidence because we are your children. We would live in security because we know you are praying for us when we are weak. 
we would live knowing we are valuable because you consider us worthy. And Lord, that we would know we are loved and accepted and nothing can separate that from you. We love you, Lord Jesus. I pray that your word would penetrate our hearts and we would conform to the likeness of your son, Jesus. And in your name, amen. As you go this week, I pray that the word of God would dwell richly in your hearts and that you would live a life confident in the promises of God. Have a great week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. We'll see you next week.